Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Post Defeat Advisor podcast. I'd like to thank everyone for tuning in, and please be sure to check out our website, postacuteadvisor.blr.com, for all of your post-acute care news and information, including future podcasts. My name is Sarah Boss from Shock, and I'm one of HC Pro's post-acute content specialists. With us today is Reg Hislop, healthcare executive, consultant, author, and recognized thought leader in the field of healthcare, specialized healthcare, post-acute care, and health policy. Reg is the managing partner at H2 Healthcare, LLC, a full-service advisory firm specializing in healthcare and the post-acute industry. Reg is the author of over 200 published articles and research papers, a frequent national and local speaker, and has more than 30 years of senior executive and consulting experience in post-acute senior healthcare, senior housing, and general healthcare industries, including service on multiple boards of directors. Reg is a regular contributing writer for numerous publications and websites, including Postacute Advisor. Reg, I want to thank you for being on with us. As always, the change of presidency brings changes to the healthcare settings. And one day into the new administration, Biden released the National Strategy for COVID-19 Response and Pandemic Preparedness on January 21st. So within that plan, there's talk of providing more assistance to SNFs throughout the pandemic, including guidance and fundings. So what can SNFs expect to see from that in the near future? Well, Sarah, thanks for having me. Um, it's always a pleasure to join you. When we look through the 200-page um, you know, uh, Biden administration proposal, we, we found a lot of things that were kind of strikingly similar to what is already going on. So as we unpack things, it's, it's kind of hard to tell what in some regards changes, right? So, for example, testing has been um, ramped up significantly in most SNF environments. States have, have been very aggressive, and, and what we've seen overall is sort of a general tailoring um, in the last months or so of infection rates across the country, and that also includes senior housing, senior living environments. Um, I think the issue is going to be, you know, really if we split the thing into kind of logical thirds, there's a third that concerns me, there's a third that doesn't, and there's a third that's unknown. So the third that doesn't concern me is sort of the, the kind of the stuff around vaccines and, and things around testing and so on. That process is already initiated and pretty much um, I think will be fluid and continue on at about the same pace, maybe amped up a little bit. But vaccine issues have really been a state-to-state -state issue. There have been as much about supply, so there's a little bit of mis misinformation here. Um, most states have had reasonably good supplies. It's been tied up a lot in state bureaucracy. So if you look at some states are well ahead. West Virginia, Florida have done a very good job of prioritizing vaccine distribution. Some of the upper Midwest states, Illinois, Wisconsin, Michigan, have been, have been lagging quite a bit. Now, those are supply issues. Those have been red tape kind of issues. So I think that's going to that's going to continue to roll forward, and I don't see that changing much, including the testing. The third that concerns me is embedded in the pandemic plan, if you will, is a lot of regulatory kind of stuff, and some of the regulatory stuff is actually rather punitive. Um, we're also sort of watching, you know, what's going to go on with the appointment of the DHS head, Deshera, 
who um, comes into the environment without any experience whatsoever and doesn't have really a healthcare background. Um, his approach to things has been that of, of a legal officer in the state of California. And so we're sort of seeing this, this foreshadow of aggressive um, possible you know, approaches to infection control, um, to fines and forfeitures, serving enforcement and enhancement and so on, which you know is is generally somewhat alarming. Um, you know, for me and, and for a lot of folks in the industry, simply because again, we, we've not seen a bright line correlation to really enhanced um, survey activity and punitive enforcement with improvements in care. Most of that ties a lot oftentimes to funding, less so to saying, you know, if you don't do this well, we're gonna we're gonna put an even more aggressive regulatory stance on you. Um, so there's some of that element. There's also this notion that, that they imply that they're going to be somewhat, oh, what's the term I want to use? Um, kind of reflexive and, and, and incentive-oriented around the notion of vaccination um, within the environments and, and possibly adding a quality measure to that, including through valuable purchasing, which would suggest maybe there's an incentive. I have to be honest and just simply say that actually kind of makes me laugh a bit, considering how, how backward VDP already is. Data's already old. I don't know how they're going to get through that and do that in a way that's timely and would actually help during the pandemic. Um, you know, the, the federal government has been horribly inefficient about keeping up uh, the quality measure data, the reporting data, and then you know, dealing with incentives and so on. So the last thing that's unknown um, is the whole notion of additional funding, because all of that, while it is a you know a fairly good portion of the plan, if you will, all of that is subject to congressional approval. And right now, there doesn't seem to be um, a whole lot of traction around the 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 floated Biden proposal, the 1.6 or so trillion doesn't seem to really resonate uh, well with Republicans and even a lot of Democrats. Um, so as long as that piece, the funding piece, continues to be a subject of, of need of congressional compromise along with the administration, that's the part that's unknown. And we'll just, we'll just see whether or not there's additional funding and, and what that might look like. So speaking of funding, um, when the vaccine first became available, CMS announced that Medicare and Medicaid would be covering the cost of the vaccine in SNFs, but they also said that this could and probably would change in the future. So is there anything in there that talks about um, payments for the vaccine? Like are SNFs going to have to cover it themselves at a point or is it gonna be completely covered by CMS? It looks as if in, in the pandemic plan, again, there, there's generalities and but it appears right now the trend is that it is the vaccine is going to be fully covered at least at the distribution level of most skilled nursing facilities. Um, 
Now the question is, is it, does it have broader application? Does it go broader into um, other environments such as assisted livings and into um, you know, independent living environments and so on? That all is um, relatively undisclosed and untouched in the information that we've seen right now. So far, vaccine distribution has been free. Um, does it continue to be that and does it continue to go beyond skilled nursing? We don't know. I think the issue is going to be um, what does supply ultimately look like and where's it all coming from? How much is the government you know, committed to and pre-purchased? Um, so right now we're dealing with, as you know, only two vaccines in supply that is a little bit hampered. Not so much because of the amount of doses that are available, but because the amount of doses are being parsed uh, with the concept of not just one dose, but second dose. So the totality has been somewhat um, bogged down or, or, you know, kind of um, nebulized to a certain extent by virtue of this concept of you need one dose and then you need a second dose 21 to 28 days depending on you know which vaccine Pfizer or Moderna. Um, I don't know if anybody saw the CDC got wishy-washy now. I think we're going to attempt to um, get everybody to kind of normalize or at least sort of a functionalized distribution by saying well we're going to relax sort of the guidance on the 2128. And as long as that second dose is proximal within like 90 days or so, we think that's going to be okay. The, the story behind that obviously is to get more vaccine um, supply released, comfort states and public health officers in these states such that you can into giving all vaccine on a first dose basis, and then hopefully understanding that the second dose uh, supply will continue to populate as we go forward. So they are holding back doses. A lot of the a lot of the states were saying, "Hey, you know, we're limiting our first dose because we want to make sure we have a second dose." I don't know how true that is, but logistically, there's some case for that. Um, the, the additional fly in the ointment, if you will, positively in this case, um, appears to be a third vaccine candidate that will enter, and possibly a fourth, um, will enter the fray here within the, the next, like, 45 days. There's a lot of certainty uh, being expressed in, in positivity around uh, the J&J, &J, Johnson & Johnson um, vaccine. Um, it is one dose. It does not require low temperature storage, um, such that Pfizer and Moderna does. Um, and, you know, Johnson & Johnson is the world's largest um, healthcare company, you know, biopharm company. So its production capacity, um, you know, is, is such that, you know, they can manufacture on a scale that neither Moderna nor Pfizer can. Um, you know, if that enters the market, again, the question will be how much will be free versus how much, um, you know, how much of the government purchase already, how much will be free versus how much uh, will end up possibly costing the consumer or the provider. The other thing we do know 
is that the J&J &J vaccine is considerably cheaper per unit than the Moderna or the Pfizer. Again, simply because the manufacturing is much cheaper and the storage and logistic costs are much cheaper. So if there's going to be a cost that's going to emanate around the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, um, it's probably not going to be deleterious to any provider group. It's going to be relatively small. Okay, so speaking of the actual vaccinations, um, in the strategy put out by the Biden administration, they talked about an enhanced online tracking of not just um, COVID-19 positivity rates, but also the way they're doling out the vaccines and possible side effects from the vaccine. So is there something that SNFs should be reporting right now, um, whether or not their residents are having negative reactions to it or just how many residents they vaccinated? Yeah, so what ends up happening is that the SNF has no control over the vaccination program right now. It's all kind of in the partnership. So the SNF really doesn't have a reporting requirement right now. Um, the vaccinator does. So, you know, what we're, where, the, you know, where the point of contact is and the monitoring point all comes through the vaccinator. Um, so the vaccinator in this case is either Walgreens um, or CBS. So they're the ones doing the vaccinations and they're the ones that are essentially required to account for the doses, required to account for the location of the vaccination clinic, they have the reporting requirements and the, the side effects. Now, again, the question is, is there side effects post, um, you know, the protocol window? So when you look at the vaccine and you look at the distribution, the protocol window is the point of vaccine in 15 minutes thereabout post uh, distribution of the vaccine for immediate side effects. Longer term side effects are a bit more nebulous. And it's hard to say who's required for reporting those because again, they may take a lot of different forms um, and we're not 100% sure. So what we're advising SNFs to do is if they are seeing um, potential longer term, longer term beyond the initial vaccination, uh, like day one, day two, day three, um, side effects that are not part of the FDA protocol. So remember, side effects in this case would be adverse effects that are not, you know, part of the protocol for the distribution of the vaccine. So not sore arm, not a headache, not a temperature, not those kind of side effects, but adverse effects that the reporting that would be part of the British program. Um, if they see those or something occurs where somebody ends up with a serious complication, um, Post-vaccination, what we're advising is call your health department, um, let your local health authorities or the state health authorities know. And there is an FDA link that a facility can do if they choose to or go back to the vaccinator and let the vaccinator know. Okay, so, so has uh, pretty much dominated sniffs over the last nearly year now. And it's pretty much been what they've been focused on. But we're at a point right now where some, if not all, SNFs have at least started the vaccination program. So what should SNFs be essentially anticipating over the next year or so? Like, what do you think are going to be the big things in 2021 that they need to look out for? 
Wow, we, we uh, you know, we see such regional and geographic differences state to state, um, you know, municipality to municipality and so on. So, you know, what, if there was uniformity to this, you know, I'd have a, I'd have somewhat of a better, you know, better handle on some of it. So, for example, um, the other day I got a call from a client and um, client is in Illinois. They're in the uh, Rockford metro area, and it's Gilmerson facility. Um, and they are not looking yet. Their, their scheduled date for vaccinations to begin is early March. So they haven't had any um, vaccination um, in their particular area or their facility uh, since vaccine has been released. Um, I've heard that consistently among certain metropolitan areas, certain regions, and other things like that. So I think we're going to see this this very interesting non-linear sort of progression. Um, so there's a couple of things that I'm concerned about. One is that um, there's still a lot of politics around the distribution. Um, and there's a lot of agenda politics going on to a certain extent. So the clear priority, supposedly, around the, you know, the, the labor of getting to the most at risk hasn't really translated to the ground much. Um, so I think we're going to see some attempt to catch up on some of that. But places that are already waiting on vaccine that have not had initial vaccination, um, I'm going to be behind the curve, and recovery is going to be behind the curve to a certain extent. Secondarily, and this is an interesting phenomenon, we're, we're kind of watching this roll out a little bit. So there's this mentality, if you will, that you know, the lingo goes, you know, skilled nursing facilities, a lot of death there, totally get it, all of those most vulnerable, we need to get shots in the arms. All right. So recognize that a good chunk of the skilled nursing census in this country, especially, um, you know, within more metropolitan and, and suburban markets, is what we commonly call post-acute today, meaning that these are not long-term residents. We, we've seen this wholesale shift, right, of, of longer-term care, more permanent, custodial-oriented, care shifting out of skilled nursing environments into assisted living environments that have seen acuity rise fairly consistently and so on, leaving the skilled nursing facility far more post-acute driven in such that, you know, residents come in, they, they rehab, they get care, and then they return to the community. So if you follow the logic, one of the things we're kind of watching is there doesn't seem to quite be um, among the health departments, state or federal officials, and the public health folks, a good understanding, not surprising in some cases, a good understanding that this is great, you're going to give one shot. Who's going to do the follow-up? Who's going to do the second shot? Because the locus of the administration is the skilled nursing facility, great. What are you going to do with those folks who have gone out we have now and gone home. Who's going to connect with them and follow through with them to make sure they get their second shot? I mean, they get their vaccine card. But if you watch this in real time, 
a lot of these folks don't necessarily have um, a specific way with all their mechanism to follow up on and to potentially get to a secondary location for another shot. Um, so we're kind of curious as to, you know, how much of the bottom they fall out to a certain extent on the two-dose vaccines, first shot starting in a sealed facility, but then the follow-up having to go back into the community and how that's actually going to look. Yeah, so who's, whose responsibility do you think that would be if someone is at a SNF for a short period, they get the first dose maybe, and then they're back home? I know that there are some apps in development right now to track when your next vaccine shot is due when you have, if you have the two-dose vaccine, but would it be CVS and Walgreens? Would it be the SNF? Would it be the individual's responsibility to make sure that they get vaccinated? You asked the, uh, the, the million dollar question, the same question we've asked. Um, the answer is nobody knows. The individual. It's not the vaccinator. They will tell you that right then and there. They basically give you your, your initial vaccine record in your card that details that you need to give a second, a second dose. But it doesn't tell you how. It doesn't tell you where. Um, and again, if you look at so, you know, there's this whole notion that, you know, that um, we, we send, a, we send a, an older adult soul, right? That's, that's the typical individual that we're talking about here is, is a post-acute patient, um, you know, older in years and so on, um, who, who rehabs and goes home. In what kind of a home environment sometimes do they go? A lot of them tend to be single. Sometimes they tend to go into an environment where their caregiver isn't very functional either. Um, transportation may become an issue. Um, access can become an issue. All kinds of other things. What if they're in a market? Recognize there's a lot of these markets that don't have a Walgreens and don't have a CVS. Okay, so we get in the rural areas where the, the vaccinators now are starting to populate a little broader. So we're starting to see, you know, some, some additions of other pharmacies aside from just CVS and Walgreens and so on. Um, but we've heard a couple of cases already where folks have attempted to go to a hospital or a health system to seek their second shot, bring their vaccine card, and they've been turned away because they're supposed to, from the hospital end, find a CVS or find a Walgreens to get their second shot because that's the vaccinator, not the hospital. So there's a lot of fun to this that has not been well thought out. Um, and mechanics are, are still really funky in a lot of cases. Okay, great. And do you have any final thoughts for SNFs regarding anything testing, vaccinations, um, just anything that they should be doing right now? Um, yeah, I think, you know, the, the, the two things that, um, that seem to work the best, okay? Um, one is the, you know, the trade association, state and federal are all over this. Um, be very, very uh, engaged at that level, even if you're not a member. 
provide input, you know, continue to complain, um, you know, continue to demand direction and support and so on, and, and stay engaged in the political process, uh, especially with local legislators, state officials, as well as national officials and so on. Be, be very engaged. Um, you know, we, we've seen we've seen shifts in particular states, in particular regions, where the folks have been willing to voice their concerns. I mean, they, we, we've watched these officials begin to somewhat kind of understand now some of the issues, and the facilities have been able to move the needle a little bit. Um, the second piece I would encourage folks to do is, again, just kind of stick with the grind you're in and recognize that we're, we're, we're seeing, you know, differentiating kind of trends in, you know, in uh, the, the viral spread and the viral load. Um, so follow your testing guidance, you know, hang in there, make sure that, um, you know, you're, you're getting your staff to the best of your ability um, vaccinated. I, I get the notion around residents that what we see is spread. You know, it's not come really basically from residents inside the facilities, come from staff bringing it in. So if you can find ways to get your staff vaccinated at the same time, um, or even ahead of some of the residents, uh, that's a good thing. Because again, that will mitigate spread. Um, we've seen it happen. I know there's a lot of funk out there that, you know, well, if you have the vaccine, you know, there's no guarantee you can't spread it. Well, you know, um, epidemiologically, you know, a lot of the experts that we talk to say that that's probably misleading. Don't worry too much about it. You know, that, that people who have already had it and people who have already had COVID and people that have had, you know, the full series of vaccines seem to be really solidly uh, incapable of, of passing on sufficient viral load to get a bunch of folks sick. So, you know, uh, if you can't get all your residents done, get as many staff as you can and, and just kind of work the grind. I think this does speed up. Um, and I also like the trend that I'm seeing nationwide in terms of um, cases, hospitalizations, and deaths. Uh, just in the last couple of weeks, cases are down by, you know, by 30 plus percent. Um, and hospital capacity is, is increasing again. So um, we're, we're confident that between, you know, um, you know, vaccine rollout and some additional vaccines entering the pipeline and, you know, sort of the general seasonality and trends here that, um, you know, the next quarter is going to be much better than, than where we finished uh, the last quarter of 2020. Great. Thank you so much for joining us, Reg, and thank you for our listeners. Please be sure to check out our website for future podcasts.